Gosh, is it me? Is is it getting a little cooler lately? A little bit? A little bit cooler? I think it's going to be warmer today. I think, is it getting hotter today? This week's going to be really hot. Thanks a lot. (laughs) I do. I like hot. But it's been a little cooler, and it's sort of, you know, it has been a little cooler, and it's been pleasant. I'll give you that. And it's sort of nice because I've been planning this message for a while, and it was the end of summer. And it was going to be last week, and then we had Backpack Sunday, and then I thought, no, I'm going to do the backpack thing. And so this is the end of summer, and I'm glad how God has arranged the weather to sort of revolve around my messages. So, yeah, thanks, God. Thank you. That's kind of you up there. Um, but it's sort of interesting because uh, things going on, things moving on. Rachel cannot be here today because she is actually helping uh, with one of our, um, well, my next door neighbor, have, we're going to have a big neighbor's uh, Labor's Day, Labor Day, Labor Day party uh, today. And it's a big deal and she's, oh gosh, it's, it's going to be crazy. But uh, Labor Day is that sort of day that we celebrate labor, I guess. And so if you are a laborer or somebody involved in that or involved, thank you. Um, but for me, it's always been sort of sort of a, an interesting day. It's sort of a tweener day because it's sort of the last of the summer holidays or is it really the first of the holidays? You know, for me, it always sort of singled the, you know, the beginning of school, the end of summer, uh, the season's starting to change. and Yeah, I'm trying to think. I was trying to think of a moment in my life that I could remember that was really the end of summer. And the only thing I can remember was when I was a kid, my brother, my twin brother John and I used to, well, we used to love to ride around, and we had neighbors back then named Bob and Sandy. We would ride around in the back of their pickup truck. I don't even know if you could do that anymore. Is that legal to do anymore? Can you ride around somewhere? Gosh, we loved it. We loved it. It was the best. And just looking out, I remember, I remember doing it. We were coming home one night. We were probably like 13 years old. And we were just watching the stars. And I remember it was right before school was starting. I remember it was right then. And it just like this, it a little cooler out. And I remember we were driving back home to, for I, don't know, I think we went to a ball game or something, and, and I wondered if it was going to be the last time. And the funny thing is, is it was. I don't know what happened. I don't know if Sandy sold the truck or what happened, but it was the very last time that we were ever riding in the back of that truck. So it always reminded me about the end of summer to a degree. You ever wonder how summer got its name? Why do we call it summer? Does anybody know that? Does anybody know that offhand? Why, how summer got its name? Sort of. Oh no. Yeah. What do you got? What do you got? I Right, well, that is a excellent, you're on the right track. 
uh, to a degree. You are on the right track. It is a Germanic name. It is a Germanic name. But as to what it exactly refers to, it's a little complicated. It's a little complicated. Oh, well, first off, summer, I'm going to tell you a little bit of it. It's going to be, it's going to sound more complicated than it, well, it probably is. Summer came from the Old English, uh, meaning sumor, uh, which in turn came from the Proto-Germanic sumor, which came from the Proto-Indo-European root psalm, meaning summer. And psalm seems to be a variant of the Proto-Indo-European sim, meaning together or one, which also may be similar to the Sanskrit, a related language for sama, meaning half year or season. Gosh. Does that elucidate people? Do people know what it means now? I mean, I don't. It's an old word. It's a very, very old word. Um, but it's a little different. Well, first off, when we think about seasons, we have to sort of, when we think about seasons, especially if we're talking about the Bible or the way these words come about, we have to change the way we're thinking in a way. Because the way we see it as four distinct seasons as related to the equinox and the solstice and the, am I getting them all? Something. Um, that's not the way that people have thought about it for most of human history when they thought of seasons. It wasn't so clear cut like that. It was different. For example, our season of springing time or spring only came about in, let's say, the 15th century. And in the, time, the term spring from the 18th century. Um, but before that, they would have called it Lent. And again, it wasn't a very, I mean, it, it wasn't lining up with the equinox and things like that. It was a little bit different. And, and each and every time, there would be different seasons throughout the year, but some would be weather-related, others different. When we think of Hebrew, though, there are two specific seasons that are related to the weather. And it's sort of interesting, in Israel, in ancient Israel, when they talk about seasons, when you, know, so we, when you read Genesis just a little bit ago, did you, did you notice when she said summer and winter will remain forever? There was no, you know, there's no spring or autumn. Or anything like that. For them, it was just two seasons. And one of them in ancient Israel, the seasons, is very hot and dry or summer, and one is very cool and wet, and they refer to it as sort of winter, but it's sort of interesting when they define these seasons, when they named them, they didn't say the hot season or the wet season, but rather they meant the harvest or what you get during that time frame. For example, the season kayitz which is to pick fruits, or like pomegranates and apricots, or figs. That comes, let's say, in June for the figs, pomegranates in July, and dates in August. Where the season horets, which is also sort of a word for harvest, meant the time you gained the grains and the barley and the wheat. And that would happen in March to May. See, the reason why they sort of identified it like that is because they wanted to see God's blessing or God's harvest as the way they identified 
the months or the times of the year. And it's sort of interesting when you think about the harvest they receive, whether it be the fruits or the grains, that in some ways, and I've been doing a little research, when you look at a balanced diet, you need both of them. You know, you need fruits and you need grains. Because, for example, with the fruits, you are provided the vital nutrients and, and the health and the vitality that are required. Where with the grains, we are given the minerals and the carbs and the proteins needed for our own survival and sustainability. So a true balanced diet needs both. Now, I remember I was sort of telling this to Rachel, and I was sort of figuring out what I was going to talk about. And she said she realized something as I was mentioning this. She said she thought about like how life is divided into seasons. But when I, specifically in the way that I'm mentioning, um, like for example, when we get the fruit of life, if you've ever eaten like a nice strawberry or a nice peach or pear, there's something incredibly sweet and vibrant and energetic, and overwhelming, and exciting about a nice apple. But also, there's something about the wheat of life. How it is sustaining, and nourishing, and long-lasting, and can be preserved. That's based upon our wisdom and our age. That wisdom that tells us, don't be running into those minefields. A balanced life needs both. It needs the fruit of life, and it needs the grain of life. But what if you've missed your fruit? What if you feel like you've never had a harvest? What if you feel like all those dreams and all those things you've always wanted, all the things you were hoping for, you never got? I met a, a person recently who said, gosh, I wish I had just traveled. I, you know, you've traveled all over the place. and Gosh, I just wish I, I'd never even left the country. Hardly left the state. You know, I just got married out of college. I just never had the chance. Other people never had kids, or other people never, gosh, went into the career that they wanted. It reminds me a little bit of that verse in Micah. It says, woe is me, for I am like those who gather summer fruits, like those who glean the vintage grapes, and yet there is no cluster to eat, or of the first ripe fruit which my soul so desires. What if you feel like you missed it? You know, Jesus mentions in the story in Luke about a fig tree that does not produce fruit. You ever felt like that? That you were one of those fig trees that didn't produce fruit and the owner of the tree sees this tree that's just taking up space and says, cut it down. This tree's not producing fruit. And yet the gardener says, gosh, you know what? Hold on, hold on before you do it. Just give me one more year to cut around the little edge of it and give it a little bit of fertilizer and tend to it. 
Just give me one more year before you cut it down. And this is something that hit me today as I was, I was, this is sort of crazy, I was writing this message today, it was so funny, I heard a voice in my head, and it was something, I don't normally like hearing voices, <laughs> especially when they're not my own. But it came to me, and it just hit me so much clearer, it said, you need to say this to somebody that I'm asking you, and it may be, I don't know, it may be, I'm asking you to give God one more year. To be your gardener. To tend your spirit. If you have felt abandoned by God, with no rain, no fruit, no harvest, no grain, God asks you to give him one more year to have that tree bear fruit. Gosh, well, it's easy to say. It's how, how do you, what do you mean by that? How do you mean by that? And this is crazy. I don't know. This was more of an image than a voice. But I remember somebody recently who told me they always want to be a stand-up comedian. They always want to go to those clubs in L.A. and, you know, get on TV or whatever. And, and I just, I didn't really know what to say to them, but I sort of realized it a little bit later that God will provide you an opportunity to do that but you may have to refocus on the audience that you're speaking to. For instead of a rather than a club in L.A., maybe it's your kids that you got to entertain, or your friends. Or maybe it's at the coffee house at Deep River Friends this coming May in 2024. You are, by far, you are welcome to the stage. But there will be an opportunity for you. The person who never traveled, gosh, I wish I, there are places to go here in High Point, North Carolina, or Greensboro, or Winston, or just around, that will blow your socks away. A waterfall you have never seen, a hidden trail, the opportunity to go uh, hang gliding, or ride on the back of a motorcycle, or a motorbike, or whatever it is that you feel led that would give you that kind of joy, that kind of experience that you would never have otherwise unless you will let God tend your spirit. I sort of got the image, and this is, Rachel told me not to say it, but I'm going to say it. I said, man, I really want to go to the sewers. Like, I have never been to the sewer. Has anybody ever wanted to go to the sewer and just see what it looks like? <laughs> she told me not to say I want to do, I want to see what, I, I, I want to have the right equipment on. Right? But no one will see that. No, you will be able to share that story for a lifetime. Go a place that no one will go. You've got to refocus on where you're going or how you're getting there. Tell you about somebody who I met in hospice who thought he had lost his fruit. Lost his blessing. He was a fireman named Alex. And I can't tell you, I can't tell you if he was a big guy or a little guy. I always saw him in the bed. I mean, he never got out of the bed. He was, you know, everybody in the chaplaincy is about that big, you know. But he looked spry, he looked little, you know, I mean, in the sense a little bit. He looked like a fireman, which is what he was. He was a fireman for decades and decades and decades, and he lived in this, this sort of large town or small city. They would have said it's a small city, but it's a large town. 
And he had been the fire chief there for like 15 years, and everybody knew him. Everybody knew him, and he was sort of a little legend in the community. He had a big red beard. It was mostly silver when I knew it, but I saw pictures. And he was such an interesting little dude to talk to. But when I talked to him, you would never know this. He was 68, and he was dying of cancer. And it was so interesting, you would talk to him, and he loved talking, and like, you'd talk to him, and he would tell you all the stories about what he did, and all who he met, and who he knew, and all the people he saved, and the fires, and all those stories, and you'd get that image, but as soon as you got beyond the veneer, or, or, or within, you know, I don't know what the word is, as soon as you got beyond the veneer of his life, you saw a man who had nothing, who felt he had absolutely nothing. All these friends, all the friends in the world, and yet nobody really knew him. He had two kids, had nothing to do with them. What you would not have known is that his alcoholism, which had given him liver cancer, had basically alienated everybody in his life. I guess he was pretty mean when he was drinking. And he was hurting. And he was sad. And he had tubes hanging out of him. And he was in a lot of pain. And as he told me all these things, he was just absolutely sobbing and crying. And when I heard about what was going on with him and his kids, I said, gosh, why don't you give him a call? I mean, here he was. He's solemn. He's talking about he doesn't have anybody. I said, gosh, give, give, your, give your daughter a call. He just stopped sobbing in a second. Literally, it took him like five. <laughs> and just looked at me like I was the dumbest person in this world. I said, well, that would be ridiculous and stupid. That wouldn't help anything. She didn't want to talk to me. And I was like, gosh, I'm sorry. Let's talk about the tubes some more or something like that or whatever it is. You know, I mean, it's okay. Well, he was in this hospice facility for a long time, much longer. It's like the 99% of the people there, probably two months or more. And so I saw him like a week or two later, and we were talking about things, and he said to me, sort of casually, so I talked to my daughter. And I was like, oh, gosh, okay, well, how'd it go? And, And he was like, well, it went exactly how I thought it would. Awful. She hung up on me after she yelled at me and cussed me and just said I was worthless and awful. Exactly like I said was going to happen. Thanks a lot. And I was like, sorry, gosh. I didn't think that was going to happen like that. But, you know, tell me about the time you saved the cat again. Was Was he in the tree? Or was it under the... Like I said, he was there quite some time. And I saw him a couple weeks later, and, he's, and you know, again, we're just talking about things. The guy liked talking about stuff. And he mentioned, he said, you know, I've been talking to my daughter. And that was it. I 
I saw him a few weeks after that, and it was right before he passed. And it was hard for him to talk. And he said to me, he said, I want to thank you so much for asking me to call my daughter. We've been talking. It's been really good. And there was, there was this idea that maybe the daughter who lived like in Washington State or something like that was going to fly back or something. And she, she, didn't, she, didn't, she didn't do it. He, he passed too soon. And, and you think maybe she just, it was just not enough time. But then again, maybe there was just enough time. Maybe that's exactly what they needed. That time. Those moments. I guess it just depends on how you look at the crop and what you were expecting. Well, gosh, how do you know? How do you know what is... When's that crop coming? When are those harvests? When are those first fruits? Well, it's a little like Jesus says in that scripture we just heard. You'll know it when those leaves start appearing on those trees. When those buds start coming out. That summer is on its way.